it's like I, I laugh, and I don't mean to make fun of Catholic priests at all, but until you have a kid, I don't think you really understand what it's like to get backtalked by a two-year-old and, you know, insulted and cussed out by a teenager that you adore, you know. It's like there are certain events in life. Uh, I'll share you. I'm going to make fun of my own kids a little bit here, but I am a relatively successful parent, right? My, my daughters love me, and I love them still, and that's, that's a good sign, right? We never had any of these horrible, like, really bad stuff, you know, but we, we certainly had our issues for sure. But it's one of, one of those things that I tell you. So Carol, uh, one time, I remember someone told me years ago that this would happen to me, and one time Sally got so mad that she just looked at me and she said, I hate you, and I just burst into laughter because, because I knew it was coming. And you say, hey, Oscar, you may, you're like, oh, nobody would ever say that to their parents. You guys wouldn't say that to your parents, would you? You might have, yeah. And a lot of us said it behind our parents' back, even if we didn't say, yeah, I see some hands there. It's like, there's just these times when you get so mad at them, you want to strangle them and say, leave me alone, I'm an adult enough. But um, the problem is the Bible says the other way. It says, honor your father and mother. And it's like, honor them. It's like, what does that mean? I want to kill them. Does that count? You know, it's like, it's like there's things that they, you, do you ever notice how your mom can set you off? Just the tone, and I'm going to make fun of William here, no last names, but William would get a call from his mom here at Wesley, and he's a perfectly rational, nice person until his mom would call. And then he'd be like, no mom, no mom. You know, it's like, it was this whiny tone. And I pointed it out to him. I said, William, that's your mother. Be respectful. And he's like, what? He didn't even know he was doing it. But, you know, every time she'd nag him, he'd treat her like she was a 15-year-old mom instead of a, a, you know, a mature woman. It's like, that doesn't go well. So everybody's smiling because you know you did it at some point, even if you don't do it now. I thought it was particularly funny that God had Caleb read the verses here because Caleb never has trouble with his parents, do you, Caleb? (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But but, but I really do think it's so normal that we need to talk about it a little bit, right? And there's a, there's a real dilemma in the Bible of where this fits. Now think about Paul, right? He knew, honor your father and mother, and I'm sure he did, but we don't know that he was a parent at all. I think he was probably married and widowed, but whatever, he had no kids for sure, and so he was running around all the time. Kids wouldn't have fit into his lifestyle very well preaching the gospel, but he wrote in Ephesians some verses, concise but meager is the word they use. Not very many verses about marriage and, and family. And this is what he wrote. And it's amazingly wise, I think. Another thing you need to realize that it was written to Christians. He was writing to people who now experiencing so, something totally different. I didn't ever think about it this way. But before the Gentiles, Christi- I mean, their family structure wasn't the same as it was going to be as Christians now. Because now we have the law. Now we have the commandments. But we also have the new covenant with God. So it changed the family. Now, dad is not the boss of the world and, you know, tell commands you what to do. Now, your dad may still do that to you, but that's not his automatic right anymore in Christianity. So anyway, verses, very famous. Try not to get too caught on it here and choke on it. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Let me just add to the Bible here. I'm sure he meant fathers and mothers. Do not exasperate. So, because I know Liz is good at it too. So anyway, let's pray. Oh Lord, help us really understand what you're trying to say in this commandment and why it's so important in our lives. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So, you know, one of the things that you got to understand is that the verse was very intentionally 
children obey your parents. But then he switches sides and he says, fathers and mothers, don't exasperate your children. And so what finally hit me as a dad was, I was really good at exasperating. You know, it's like I was really good at pushing the buttons of the kids. And I didn't really even mean to. It was sort of subconscious. I just knew that if I brought up too much spending or certain subjects, they would set you off. Ever happened to you, Ben, where just a subject came up and from you went right back to childhood feelings? You know, it's like, you can't tell me what to do. Now, some of you guys, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this once, just, you know, some of you guys have not rebelled that much yet. You're really good children and you honor your parents. But it is perfectly normal, guys, and, and will happen that you will rebel in some ways at some time in your life. And it's like, they call it, if, if you've never been bad, so to speak, as a kid, uh, and that certainly doesn't count me, that means that they say as an adult you'll be kind of rebellious with your marriage or with, with life just because you hadn't gotten it out as a kid. So you're in a stage, and I read a book that really helped me understand this, it is normal to break away from your parents. And that's where the rub is coming in our culture is, how do you break away, especially if you have parents that are all up in your business all the time, how do you get them to see you as an adult and stop running, you know, driving you insane? It's like, it's normal to go through the, the rub and really have to work it out. So it is, I'm not telling you dishonor your parents, I'm telling you become separate from your parents in a, as graceful a way as you can. Honor them, but still become more independent. So if mom calls you every single day, that's probably a warning sign, guys, that you need to start letting go a little bit. Depends on what you're talking about. But if every decision you have to make back to your parents, you're not breaking away very effectively in our culture. And so you probably have heard this. There's a whole problem going on in our culture of people <laughs> who go to college and move home and live at home and don't break off. They, what they call it, failure to launch, right? You don't really launch into the world because it's easier to stay with your dad's money or your mom's money or, you know, let them have total control of your life. Somewhere there's a happy spot. I sinned on the other side. I was the, I'm 19, I'm a grown-up, get away from me. You know, kind of an approach to, to, that is dishonoring, I think, particularly. And so I am talking out of my own guilt here. One good example is my mother was an alcoholic. A lot of you all know that. And it, when I was about 16, I was the driver at home. And so, well, she drove too, but she'd sit around and drink herself into kind of this stupor. And then she'd call the alcohol store down the street. They call them state stores in New York and say, hey, my son's going to come down and pick up another bottle of gin. And so I was, then she'd say, Max, go get me some, actually she'd say, Paul, go get me some gin, you know, down at the liquor store. And I'm like, that's illegal. And it is illegal for a 16-year-old to pick it up, even if you know, it wasn't paid for by me. It doesn't matter. You're not supposed to even go in there. Well, anyway, so I had to make a decision. Am I the rebellious son? And you know I am. So what did I finally do? I was like, after a couple of these trips, I decided morally this was wrong. And so I told my mother, no. Did you guys ever tell your mother, no, I won't do it? Hell came after that. You know, it was like, boy, was I in trouble. But I won. In the end, I would never do it again, and I never did again and stuff. Because at that point, I was so mad at the alcohol salesman because he, he knew my mom was a great customer. You know what I mean? And so he just kept feeding her the booze on credit when she didn't have any cash and stuff. And so I do think there's a place somewhere in this verse that says, obey your parents and the Lord, children. And so this is the, this is the, the rub. When can you stop obeying your parents? He's leaving a loophole of when it's okay to disobey a little bit, right? For one, at some point you're becoming an adult. Now, yes, in some sense, you're always a child of your parents, whether you like it or not. You are a child of your parents. And you'll see it throughout your life. You'll be like, I'm acting just like my father. For you guys, I'm going to just confess this in, you know, if you ride in a car with me and I like you a lot and you're a guy, I may reach over and grab your knee and squeeze it. And I do it, and I do it to make you jump 
I promise it's not a turn-on at all. I just do it to, it's not really to hurt you as much to make you jump. Try it on a couple, try it. And some guys are so ticklish right there that they will jump out of their minds, you know. I absolutely am not ticklish there, so I think it's very funny. But my dad used to hurt us. I mean, he'd grab us and, and we'd be like, uh, you know, not smile, not crack laugh. Dad gum if 30 years later I do the same thing. I'm sorry. I can't help it. It's what I do when my mind goes into neutral. I grab your knee and make you do I don't do it to girls. Don't misunderstand. You're safe, girls. But guys, just stay away from me. This is my best advice to you. Ben, right, don't sit in the front seat next to Max or you're going to get jabbed or something and stuff. So anyway, but my point is your parents haunt you your whole life. You become like your mom and your dad. The very thing that you swear, oh, I'll never be you know, argumentative with my kids, watch out, dude. Don't make any proud statements because God will make you eat the words. I found with my own kids, you know, you sort of assume that your little kids will be just like you and they'll under, you'll understand their every little thought and whim. That's a joke. That is the opposite of the truth. The truth is they take all those genes and they throw them together and you could come up. We came up with our second child was an extrovert. Liz and I are both introverts. You know, Sally was, or at least more than, than Sally. Sally's like a perfect extrovert in the sense of she wanted from the beginning to go to other people, you know, to, to go be social, to have people over the house. And we we're like, no, stop. You know, what's wrong with you? You know, it's like we thought she was, we we're going to put her in a mental hospital because she's, you know, just too social. No, no, I'm exaggerating. But really, that's what you really get is a mix of the two families, and they may not be anything like you. And God says, you have to honor and love this kid, and that kid has to love and honor you. So somehow, there's going to be some bending and some yielding, right, guys? And it's like, well, maybe you get along with your parents perfectly, but that's really kind of unusual, I think. It's really normal. And they tell, they'll tell you this, too. When you get to be 25, which isn't too far away for some of you, and in the rearview mirror for others, but, you know, it's like, you're supposed to get to the point now, hey, my parents are sort of becoming my friends. I've broken away effectively. I'm, a, I'm my own man or woman, and they respect me as an individual. It still doesn't happen sometimes, though, right? Sometimes you're right back to being 12 years old again, you know, when Mama calls you up and says, are you wearing clean clothes? Have you changed your underwear? <laughs> you never know when you get in a car wreck, you better have clean underwear on. My parents really said that to me. They really did. I don't know if yours ever did, but anyway. So what keeps us from honoring or obeying our parents? I think a lot of it is resentment. There's the natural sin, rebe- excuse me, rebelliousness. But I do think that some of it is, you know, we just see something so blatantly wrong that they do that it's really hard to obey about it because you see them as incompetent in that, in that particular way. So like my dad is an engineer and he could tell me about money and I would listen because he was good with money and you could tell. But you know what? If you tried to get my dad to understand switching to liberal arts, he'd be like, are you nuts? You know, I was like, why would you do that? You know, there's just some things they just can't see because we're different personalities. They didn't really seem to know what was right for me. They just knew what they wanted me to do. You all know what I'm talking about. And it's like, that's really hard to distinguish what you want to do versus what your parents have kind of pushed you to do, or even your teachers. Because sometimes it's not the same thing you're great in. It's something else. And so I think that's, that's an interesting. One of the things that they pointed out when I was researching it, though, if you think about it, your parents' generation, my generation even, those kids are, are not, it's gone. I mean, our childhood expectations are no longer valid for your generation. And so it's like, there's a lot of changes that will never be the same. And for an example, I thought of, you know, in my generation, there were no seatbelts when I was a little kid. So we'd have a family station wagon. I think our 65 was the first car that had seatbelts in it. And so always when I was a little kid, 
you know, we ran around in car- I mean, rode around in cars with no seatbelts. We'd like stand up on the front seat and drive down the road. You remember the sedan? And it's like nobody thought anything about it. You know, if we were going fast, we'd say, sit down. A lot of good that does you in a 60 mile hour crash. Sit down and hold on, you know, whatever. It just doesn't work. But you know what? You try to take that kind of attitude and put it into the culture today, and they'll put you in jail for not putting your kid in a seatbelt. They really will. If they see a little kid standing up on a, in a truck or something going down the street, they will pull you over and put, take you away because that's child abuse now. And so times change. I guess what I'm trying to say is you can't expect your parents to understand you know, everything, Riley, that's going on in your high school right now or even college because it's different. Every time we have Parents Week and I explain to the parents, you don't take 18 hours anymore because in my generation, 18 hours was pretty common in 16 and 17. And if you do that at A&M, you're just going to die. Right, that's not a wise thing to do. But the parents don't know that. They're like, why can't you get out in four years? You all know why. <laughs> it's because you can't take 18 hours each semester. You could actually, back in my day, change majors and still get out in four years. Not anymore, right? You end up going to summer school. A lot of us are like, parents say, why do you have to go to summer school? Well, because you can't take 18 hours every semester and catch up. Someone here at A&M petitioned for 21. I don't remember who did that. But I... Yeah, they ought to petition to get out at 21. But not, I'm sorry, I meant 21 hours. And, and to me, that was just insane. It's like, what are you doing? Trying to kill yourself, not have a social life. So I feel like the reason they exasperate us is because they're looking at a different standard and a different time. And so if we could calmly explain to them the changes, then I think a lot more you could understand. One, one of the best things is when your kids, get, when you guys get older, you can talk to your parents more adult to adult and go, hey, this is why it's so hard for a culture to understand. There's some things I still just don't get because I'm a different generation and we look at it a little different. Just let it go. It's okay to be different opinion than your parents. And trying to convince me of your politics, my daughters are all about different politics than I am now. You're wasting your time. It's like talking to a mule. You know, it's like, I'm not going, at my age, I'm not changing what I think. You know, you could talk all you want. You know, it's like, scream, carry on, whatever. You know, (laughs) I bet your dad's the same way, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, Doug, it's like, oh, I bet he doesn't listen much too, too well either. So anyway, I just think it's kind of funny. So how does a parent exasperate you? They do it the little ways by bringing up your past failures, right? Sometimes reminding you, did you ever get reminded that you're pretty bad with money? You know, or, you're, or how about somebody was telling me the other day that they uh, make emotional decisions, right? It's like, that would have been, for my dad, that would have been an insult, you know, kind of stuff. And so I feel like they're not trying to hurt. They're just trying to remind you. But the problem is you're growing, right? And now you can make better decisions than you, the one time you did something really crazy. Uh, you're going to laugh at me. One good example. Okay. I went on a retreat, a Christian retreat. I was a young Christian, 16 or 17, and we took our family station wagon. And we got up in the mountains. And we had a great weekend, spiritually inspiring. Well, the youth minister's car wouldn't start. So we were up in the mountain with no mechanic around, nothing to do. So I thought to myself, well, I'll push you with the car. Now, you all would laugh at this now, but in those days, cars had big bumpers, and so it didn't seem quite as crazy. <laughs> I'd seen my parents push each other a little bit. To, you could push an old Volkswagen and then pop the clutch and start it. And so that's what I was going to do, except we were about 20 miles from a, a gas station down a mountain. And so what I did is I pushed a, a Buick Skylark 20 miles down the mountain, and it did really well. Yeah, you all laughed at me. Uh, this was all, it was Christian, but anyway, <laughs> I pushed it all the way down the mountain, and we, I'm really a good driver, in case you hadn't noticed, but pretty much, and I, you know, I'd come, we'd go up a mountain, I'd have to push it, and then it would roll down the other side, and I'd have to hit it again, gently, and push it up, you laugh at Dale, you know what, the people did this, they really did, and anyway, so we get down there, and the gas station is across the street, and here's my car, the station wagon, and I go to push it in, and it turns and smashes the headlights out of the car, 
And I'm like, oh, crap. Just turned a little bit. You know, all this ramming, fine. But, you know, during that, broke the headlights out of the car. And so when I went home, what do you think my parents thought? This was a great idea? No, <laughs> no, they were like, oh, you idiot. You know, how irresponsible you are. Da, 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 da. We give you our nice car. And look at it now. There was a lot of scrapes on the grill and stuff that I would never do that with my car now, guys. But that was my dad's car. You know, that's different. And stuff. So anyway, so I'm telling you the stories of my stupidity so that I know you've done some stupid things too, right? And, and made the parents really mad at you, maybe not coming in. So how will you keep from exasperating your own children? Think about this. I know you think children are far away, but they're not. You know, probably in 10 years, most of you guys will have children. And it's like, you have to say, okay, how am I going to be better than my parents were? How am I going to keep from doing the exact same thing that my parents did to me? What I would challenge you all to do is look at what really bugged you about your parents. You know, what made you have a, so much trouble obeying them and, and convince yourself you're not going to do it and work towards it, right? If you have an angry parent that yells and screams, I never yell and scream, never. I mean, I do talk sternly, don't misunderstand. But Sally and I had this discussion. She told me I was always yelling at her. And I'm like, I have never yelled that I remember ever. But when you hear me yell, you'll know I'm yelling as opposed to when my parents screamed at each other. Like, and at us. And so when you scream at me, I just get upset and get quiet so it doesn't work. So I quit doing it. You can do the same thing. Whatever they did wrong, if it really bugged you, you'll go, well, I'm not going to do it to my kids, Ruby. You can say that and go and then pray that the Lord helps you not do the very same thing. When I, I made, my parents made me angry, I could easily follow that same pattern again. This cool thing is now Jesus is in the home. Jesus is saying to me, my spiritual life will reflect on my kids, right? If I'm a patient man, a godly man, a disciplined man, all of those things will slowly transfer to my kids. It doesn't mean you won't argue or you won't have trouble, but I mean, think about all the good things your parents have given you about faith and about life and about living, and it's a lot easier to honor them when you realize they're not perfect people. Maybe if you got nothing out of what I'm talking about, think of it this way. God is your ultimate father, not your father, blood father or blood mother. It's actually God, Jesus and if you look at it that way, he's the perfect one. And all the parents that ever were are imperfect ones, right? So let them off the hook a little bit and go, it's okay for them not to be perfect all the time. To get impatient. Do you guys have parents impatience with you sometimes? My dad is, a, again, an engineer, wanted to show me how to fix everything, which I love to fix stuff. But he was so grumpy when we worked with him that he would, you know, we wouldn't do it. We wouldn't go change the oil in the car because he'd yell at us sooner or later for doing something wrong. It's like, is that the way you want to be? Or do you want to be the dad that shows them how to do stuff and teaches? It's like, made me want to be a different person. So I feel like one of the things that they do to really exasperate you is say, are you being a drama queen? You know, are you doing this again? You're being a child. You know, it's like, is this really such a big deal? You know, or even worse, you will do this. When you tell me I have to do it, it just sends a little flame into my ears and they just go red and it's like, like the red flag in front of the bull thing, you know, it's like, I'm going to do it because you told me I can't do it or I, I won't do it. And of course, that got me in lots of trouble in my life, disobeying intentionally. You guys never do that. My daughters didn't disobey directly, but they disobey on the side quietly so that they get away with it more often and stuff. So uh, anyway, I think all of this Christian education now is supposed to be happening in your home. Your parents, instead of going, I want to let my child choose for himself whether he wants to go to church or not, most of you guys, parents said, we're going to church. I'm going to be an example for you. And yeah, some days you hated it probably. Some days the preacher was so boring and he never shut up. But you know what? You learn after a while that it's actually been really good for you. You know, you heard 
your parents' morals being spoken about and what they stand for and all that sort of stuff. So uh, when can you disobey your parents? See, people ask me this all the time. So what I see as the loophole is in the Lord. Look at it in the Bible verse. It starts in the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. And then it ends with something very similar in the Lord at the end of that verse. So I think what Paul is trying to say is we have the ultimate power to say no when we know it's not of God what they're asking to do. So when could I say no? I said no to going to get the alcohol because I really believed it was not what God wanted me to do. You could argue that, but in my case, I'm sure I did the right thing by refusing to go. It's like, I feel like, you know, sometimes some of your parents aren't so spiritual and you have to remember that. And so their advice at times will not be right. Or sometimes you'll know what works in our culture is not the same thing as what your parents are advising you to do. My dad literally told me when I came to college, sleep around with all the girls you could because that way you'll know what you want when you get married. It's like, uh, wrong. You know, it's like even as a young Christian, I knew that was wrong. And, and I knew that he was an unfaithful husband already. So why would I follow that, that rule? You know, you've got to break some of those stupid things. You guys that have solid Christian parents, sometimes you struggle with, can I be as good as my parents were? You know what I mean? And it's faithful in marriage and all that. So when can you disobey them? This is what I, I came to. It says, children obey your parents. It does not say children honor your parents. We're all supposed to honor our parents. So you owe them that your whole life, guys. So did I honor my mom and dad? It's like, that was tough. And I, I don't think I did as good as I should have. But I, you know, in their old, my dad lived to be about 85, so I had a lot more opportunity to honor him. And I generally did. You know, it's, it's pretty hard to do when they're in a nursing home and stuff. But you know what? It's like, don't make the mistake. God's promised that this is really important that we honor him. Doesn't always mean obey. At least, I think, this is my opinion, no, not in the Bible. I think if you're taking money, your parents are supporting you, you owe them some obedience. And when you get to the point where they're not paying for your cell phone and they're not paying for your car and your insurance, then maybe you don't have to obey. But you still have to honor. And sometimes honor means going home to be with them for Christmas or you know, treating them respectfully and not criticizing too much or fighting with them every time you get together. One of the big adventures coming for you freshmen is going home for Christmas. It, it's really an experience because... You've been a youth, and now you're not a youth anymore, and the parents have to readjust to who you've become, you know, and so it's really an awkward. You'll see it when you get there, because you might have a curfew again. You might be like, where are you going every time you step out the door, you know, and it kind of gets on your nerves, but it's dishonoring to scream at them about it and make a big deal. Wouldn't it be wiser to say, hey, mom and dad, I'm going to a party with my friends this night, and we'll be out late. How about if we go to lunch this day together? What I've learned is like all the parents really want is to see you over the break again, you know, spend time with you. So give them some time. And it's a whole lot more honoring to do that than to just show up at the house and then sleep till one and go out with your friends and come in and, you know, in the middle of the night, they don't see you, see? It's like it's such an easy way to make peace. And I, I know with my girls, all I really want to do is see them and their kids now, right? I, I want to see them and, and their husbands. But I, I really think just a few hours together makes all the difference of what they really want. So... End of, end of sermon, God is the, the only parent that is completely healing, completely right, and completely good, right? The only one. So if you let your parents just take them off that little pedestal and go, they're just good parents now. They're not perfect. And then you can see, take a better look at who they are, and they can see you. You won't be so angry all the time. It's funny because one of the things they suggested is like, in our culture, we teach our kids about raising money and getting education and good jobs, but then we forget to tell them about the bread of life. I mean, what's really important spiritually, a lot of our dads never talk about their, our faith. Isn't that weird? 
It's like, why is that, guys? We know our faith, don't we? I know what I believe. Josh, you know what you believe. We need to tell those kids that. They need to hear it often, I think. And I feel like how sad it would be you get this great kid and you raised him to be a good person, but you forgot to mention that I'm who I am because Jesus saved me and turned me. You know what I mean? It's like, I feel like that's the whole thing. The promise of the long life and the good blessing is for those who honor their parents. I don't know about you, but I'm going to take that seriously as best I can. We try real hard to honor Adele. You know, some days I just like, I don't know, but mostly we try to honor. And it's like, you know, it's like, I really do think, you know, it's so easy to mock or, or, you know, ignore. But that's not what God says. It says honor. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for your word. And we know how profound it is and how important this must be to you. Help us, Lord, to really break away in a healthy way and still honor our parents. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.